I'm Rick Lyman. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Christ Church and have the privilege of sharing with each and every one of you in God's holy, living, active word here this morning. I want to welcome those that are gathered here in our auditorium as well as our online broadcast. Just, it's a beautiful day to be alive, isn't it, when Jesus is part of that. If you've been following along or listening to sermons recently here, you know that we're in a sermon series entitled Worthy, Living Your Best Life Now. You know, what seems to me all of us would like to be able to say when we cross the finish line of our lives, whenever that will be, that we did our level best. I use the gifts and talents and resources and opportunities I was given to their absolute fullest, and I prioritized always what was most important. I didn't just have good intentions, but I followed through on every single one of them. I have lived a life worthy of the life that God gave me and the potential for which I was made. That's a tall order, isn't it? If we're really honest, most of us would confess that we're trying to live into that. We want to live into that, but we feel so often like we're failing and falling short of that. In today's segment of our series, we're going to consider how God has already empowered each of us to live, to love, and to serve him with great confidence and influence and impact. You may not know that. He's given us everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness. He's also given us the power through his Holy Spirit to be fully liberated from all the negative self-defeating patterns that we've allowed ourselves to fall into. And they're holding us back. Friends, today is also Pentecost Sunday. For those of you that understand that, that was not a day that's often celebrated in some churches. But you know, we all celebrate Christmas. Why? Because it's the birth of Jesus Christ, the Word being made flesh. We make a huge celebration. It's one of the most momentous occasions. It's the two most momentous occasions in the history of the world. And Easter Sunday, when the Holy Spirit, the power of God, rocked that tomb and raised Jesus up from the dead, we celebrate. And we remember the power of God working. But the day of Pentecost was just a few days after that, about 50 days after Jesus' crucifixion, when God's mighty power birthed the church. So today is we celebrate the birthday of the church of Jesus Christ. On Pentecost Sunday, we remember that God's mighty Holy Spirit, the same one that went into the tomb, came upon a group of about 120 fear-filled, cringing Christians who felt like they'd failed Jesus. They're hiding for fear that they're going to get caught being a Christian. All of them had abandoned Jesus. His closest friends were asleep at the wheel when he needed them the most. And there they were, thinking they'd failed completely, thinking they're never going to be able to accomplish what Jesus sent them out to do. And the Holy Spirit came and changed that in an instant. And that same Spirit's here today. We're going to talk about that just a bit. There's no one we can better learn from, I believe, of going from spiritual failure to spiritual success than the Apostle Paul himself. A little background on him. We're going to read one of the passages of Scripture he wrote for us here today in a minute. He was a Jewish leader who opposed nice people like you and I. If we were living at that time, we would have been deathly afraid of this man because he was dead set on arresting Christians just for loving Jesus, just for worshiping Jesus, just for calling Jesus Savior. More than that, he saw to it that some of them were actually executed or flogged, treated horribly abusively. So he knows what it feels like to fail Jesus. But God turned his life around. And he's become one of the most influential human beings that's ever walked this earth. His writings, alongside the Gospels about Jesus, are part of the most famous 
bestseller that's ever been written, the Bible. And his words, some of which we'll share in today, are read by billions of people on a regular basis. One man who opposed Jesus, failed miserably, he turned him all the way around and used him. And that's exactly what he hopes to do for us and allowed him to live up to his potential. Consider these words Paul writes about his own journey and his own priorities in Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 through 14. Hear the word of the Lord. Paul says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of him, that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to yet having taken hold of it, but one thing I do, he says, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Will you join me in a word of prayer as we ask the Holy Spirit who inspired these words to be recorded and kept for us to this very day? that he'll help us understand them. And I ask you to pray for me as I deliver this message that the Holy Spirit might enable me to deliver it as best I can. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we thank you for your presence here in this space. Whenever two or three are gathered, you're right amongst us. We invite you to illuminate your word to us today. Lord, we ask you to hear what you are actually speaking to us. We also ask you then by the same Holy Spirit to empower us to live into the things you're drawing us, calling us, and releasing us into this day. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You know, I suspect, though most of us are kind of not feeling that great about how we're doing spiritually, we want to live that best life. It's very easy to say it, but there's a myriad of things that hold us back or block us or, in fact, oppose us. There's forces that are working against us from within and without. They keep us from experiencing the fulfilling life that Jesus came to give us. You might even feel like giving up today, throwing in the towel, just saying, I, I, I can't take it anymore. I've had it. I'm spent. I can't handle one more stressful day, one more stressful moment. Way back in 1952, you probably have heard this account before, but it bears sharing again. A swimmer named Florence Chadwick, she attempted to do something that's way out of my league. She attempted to swim from an island way off the coast, 22 miles off the coast of California, called Catalina Island, to the shore. That's one mile longer than the English Channel, in case you're wondering. That's a monumental effort. She swam through foggy weather and choppy seas for 15 straight hours. Her muscles began to cramp, and her resolve weakened. She begged to be taken out of the water, but her mother, riding the boat alongside, urged her, don't give up. She kept on trying, but grew exhausted, and finally stopped swimming. The aides lifted her out of the water and into the boat. Then they paddled just a few moments further, and the fog lifted, and she discovered the shore was only half a mile away. She was that close. All I could see was the fog, she said at the news conference afterwards. I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. For some of us here today, we can't see the shore. We're in the fog. We're paddling hard. We're expending every ounce of our energy. We just can't see it. 
If that's how you feel today, we've got really good news from the scriptures because God's going to help us navigate that last half a mile to victory. Kristen Butler, the author I love, says this, the strongest people I've met have not been given an easy life. They've learned to create strength and happiness from dark and even foggy places. Author Anne Graham Lotz captures the essence of this so very well when she says, what's the desire of your heart? Are you satisfied with just enough? Or do you want more? More peace, more hope, more joy, more love, more fulfillment. I want more, she says. I want more than just being saved from God's wrath. More than calling myself a Christian. More than just a ticket to heaven one day. More than the bare minimum that God offers. I've concluded, she says, that it won't be enough until, like the Apostle Paul, my faith becomes sight, and I know him as fully as I am known by him. She says, I long for everything God wants to give me. I want more of his image reflected in my life, more of his spirit in my service, more of his glory on my knees. What are you longing for, she asks. Friends, I suspect we all want exactly those very things. So how do we get from just muddling along, somehow being nice, good Christians, to becoming the world-changing dynamos who profoundly impact for everything that we're involved with for good, the advancement of God's kingdom that he's called us to? How do we get there? Well, the apostle shares secrets, three key secrets in the passage we just read together of how he did it, how he was able to do those very things. First and foremost, in verse 10, He wanted to know Jesus fully. Not the historical Jesus, not stories about Jesus, the real living Jesus. You see, he was in love with Jesus. He wanted to know everything he could about him. The word in the Greek, there's epikonosis, personal, intimate knowledge, not factual, historical facts. He wanted to know him personally. He longed to know him. Secondly, and equally importantly, he says, he wanted to know and experience the power of Jesus' resurrection. He understood a power from heaven came and rocked that tomb. And the scriptures tell us in Romans chapter 8, in fact, the same power, the exact power that God exerted to raise Jesus Christ up from the grave is inside of you and I. Right this second, you're pulsating with that same power. In fact, the Bible says it's giving life to our mortal bodies. That power is already within us. Paul wanted to live in that and walk in that. And then thirdly, and most importantly for our conversation today, he said, I forget the past, and I press on full speed to things ahead. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind me, I'm pressing on towards a goal that I can see ahead of me. I'm concerned, my friends, that so many devout, God-loving Christ followers are just, we're just spinning our wheels. We got power, we got abilities, but we seem to be going in circles and not being able to really get anywhere because we're bound up by a hidden enemy. Enemies within us, enemies without. We're bound up and wound up in our own past failures and continue to nurse the wounds that others have inflicted upon us. Ultimately, we become fixated on ourselves, not on Christ or the goals ahead. We're still trying to figure ourselves out instead of getting to know Jesus. But the Holy Spirit's call to every single one of us, friends, is for us to move forward, and to leave our past behind us under the grace and cleansing blood of Jesus, and I'll give us some clear instruction on how we can do that in a minute, 
Friends, we need to stop letting our past wounds and our own failures determine our future. We need to start allowing the brilliant future that God has for us to determine our present everyday experience. I'm going to say that again. We need to stop allowing the past wounds and failures to determine our future, control us and bind us, and to start allowing the brilliant future that's out in front of us determine our present life experience, to buoy us up and motivate us. I'm encouraging each one of us here today that feel moved to do so, to make a declaration in your own heart and your mind about your life going forward. Because friends, after all, it is your life. It's yours. You get to make the choices to determine your future. You get to make the choices today that's going to alter your tomorrow. If you want to go forward, you want to live the best life God has for, I'm encouraging you to consider making this kind of declaration that I'm going to stop this day allowing evil and the wrongs others have done to me and my own failures in the past to prevent me from living into all the good and pleasant things that God has planned for every day of my life going forward. The scriptures reveal that God has created good things for us, good work for us to walk in every single day, but we're missing them because we're looking back. We're hooked up in the things in the past and we can't see all the beauty and glory and wonderful things God has. But we can make that decision to turn, turn that corner. And I'm going to give us a few thoughts on how we can do that in a second. Because the Bible teaches us not to live in denial about our past, to ignore our past, but it teaches us and gives us a blueprint, actually, for how to look our past square in the eye, deal with it, and then move forward confidently. I'm going to give you seven biblical steps that emanate right out of the scriptures and how we can best move forward with confidence and clarity. Number one, forgive everyone as Christ forgives you for everything. That seems like a big hurdle, isn't it? You know why? Because it is. Because it is. But remember that forgiveness is not a feeling, it's not an emotion, it's not a notion, it's a decision. Forgiveness is a decision that you have complete charge over. If you're waiting for the person or persons who offended you to say that they're sorry and admit their fault, friends, your emotional well-being is under their control completely. When you forgive, you're in charge. When you forget and move on, you're the victor now, no longer the victim. If you're withholding forgiveness to punish the other person seeking vengeance somehow, they must pay for what they've done to me. You must realize the only person you're punishing is yourself. It's been said that unforgiveness is like drinking deadly poison and thinking the other person's going to die from it. By releasing forgiveness, deciding to simply do it, you are freeing yourself. Second step, and this one can be challenging, we need to offer apologies. But wait, they started it. They did all this bad stuff to me, and I just responded badly, but they did it. It's all their fault. Well, you know what? No, it's not. We've all done things and said things that we're not proud of, some we're ashamed of. We need to offer an apology. In fact, Jesus directs us in the Sermon on the Mount, if you're in church on Sunday, imagine that, or in the temple he was talking about on Saturdays, if you're there, and there you remember that someone actually has something against you that you did that you shouldn't have done, leave your gift at church, get in your camel or donkey or whatever, and walk or whatever, and go apologize. Make it right. That's how important it is. You know why 
the bigger person is the one that says, I'm sorry, first. It's been said, I wish I had this in my own quote, but the fact is the first to apologize, they're the bravest. The first to forgive is actually the strongest. And the first to forget is the happiest. Once we've done that, and you might have somebody in your mind right now, write their name down. That's holding you back. Your own conscience is tethering you to something in your past. Apologize. Thirdly, receive God's forgiveness for everything. Every sin that you committed against him and others, he's ready, willing, and able. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful, he's just, and he will forgive us, wipe the slate clean, and then wipe us clean and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Someone has said that if we give God all our mistakes and failures, he throws them the deepest part of the ocean. Then he puts up a sign that says, no fishing. He doesn't want us to keep dredging up our sins because he forgets them completely. The fourth step is to wipe your own slate clean. Forgive yourself. Romans 8.1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus coming from God. Zero. If God's no longer mad at you, if God's not seeking to punish you for your sins, then why are you doing it to yourself? Because we've been deceived into thinking that's the right thing to do. Forgive yourself. Let yourself off the hook. Half the pain we experience in life is because we're beating our own selves up by a spirit of regret, not setting ourselves free from wrongs in the past. We've got to let go. Receive God's forgiveness and then for practice that forgiveness with ourselves. Now we're ready to ask. Ask God to now come in and fill and heal the wounds and empower you to the very brim with his Holy Spirit. When that junk is out of our hearts, we're now ready vessels to receive him and ask him to release the resurrection power to your dreams, your goals, your aspirations, the things you've always wanted to do and be that you somehow have not gotten there because everything's held you back and you've been somehow blaming other people. That's over. Ask him to bring those back to life. They will bring life and energy and hope to every single day of your life. You'll spring out of your bed in the morning. Well, I don't spring anymore at my age. I kind of climb out carefully. But you'll get up with purpose in your step. You'll look forward every day of your life. And God put those dreams inside of you to live. He wants you to experience that. That's what abundant life is about. And the Holy Spirit will resurrect those things. Once we're in that mindset, then reconcile and restore relationships. Oh, no, no, I don't want to do that. That means subjecting myself to that bad person. No, it doesn't. I'm talking about the people you really miss. Your parents, your children, your best friends. Something happened. Then you didn't talk for a week. Then it was a month. Then it was six months. Then it's a year. Then it's 10 years. And then, but deep down, you miss them. And they miss you because you love each other. Seek to be reconciled. And some people are just mad, and they're going to stay mad, and that's not your fault. Their anger issues are not your fault. Leave them alone then. But make the effort. You just might find that they miss you just as much as you miss them. And you might realize why God put them in your life in the first place, to be part of that beautiful, wonderful, fulfilling plan he has for you. And say what you need to say. All the stuff you mutter in your mind, you think over, I should have said, I should have, say it to them. Get it off your chest. Get it out there. Instead of a churning inside of you, and you're going to find God do some works of healing. Scriptures tell us to 
as much as it's within our power, be at peace with all people. He's not asking you to subject yourself to a violent or evil person. No. Making yourself vulnerable to a person that's going to trample you? Absolutely not. But the people that he's had in your life, that he's called upon to bring, you want to be at peace as much as you can within your power. Now you've got a clear conscience. Now you, we can determine to go forward with our life, unhindered, unfettered, the anchors pulled up, ready to go full speed ahead. I'm going to put the full slide up here for a second, summarize this. Forgive people. Offer apologies where needed. Don't apologize for someone else. Apologize for what you did. Third, receive God's forgiveness. Wipe your own safe clean and do that lots. Do it all the time. Do it every day if you feel you need to. Ask God to fill you and heal you and empower you afresh every single day. Reconcile the key relationships and then determine to go forward with a good life, the full life, your best life every single day. There was a young man that, a little uncertain of his future, Back in the Old Testament, he was following a great leader. He didn't know how he was going to fill his shoes. He was afraid of going forward. Most of us can live in our past because we're afraid of what might happen if we really took bold moves forward. What might God actually lead me into? That sounds a little scary. Well, a young man named Joshua was kind of scared about filling Moses' shoes, if you remember. Moses is a pretty famous dude. Talk about a New Testament. Paul, Moses is the guy in the Old Testament. Wrote the Pentateuch. Just a very influential person in the history of the human race as well. And Joshua was supposed to follow him. Listen to what God says to him directly. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Jesus said essentially the same thing when he gave us the great commission. He said, I personally will be with you always. Like right now in this space. He's here even to the end of the age. Some of you may know that my wife Carol and I love the, the desert. We love the Sonoran Desert. We spend as much time as we can in the winter west. Not that much time for me. It's just vacation time. She can spend more time. We love it out there. I like skipping winter is what I really like doing, but I can't do that yet. But you know, there's lots of creatures out there, kind of cool stuff, bobcats and coyotes and mountain lions and all that cool stuff. But there's a couple of birds I want to reference that fly over our deserts. One is a little hummingbird. And the other is the vulture. You know, the vultures circle around. They got something they're aiming. Yeah, they're, they're going for lunch. But the vultures find the rotting meat of dead animals. You know why? Because that's what they're looking for. They thrive on that diet, actually. But hummingbirds ignore the smelly flesh of dead animals. Hummingbirds are looking for the colorful blossoms of desert plants. Yes, desert plants do have flowers, briefly, when it rains and they go away. Instead, they look for those blossoms, and the vultures, though, live on what was. They live on the past. They fill themselves with what is dead and gone. But hummingbirds live on what is. They seek new life. They fill themselves with freshness of life. Which bird do you want to be? Which bird have you been, and which bird do you want to be? Well, friends, we have the opportunity this moment and every moment to be filled with all the goodness and grace and love and power of God's own Holy Spirit. Those first century believers I referenced that were afraid and hanging out in an upper room hiding against all odds, they changed the world by letting God empower them and lead them every step of the way. My concern for us today as Christians in 2022 is many of us have given up even believing that we can change our world. We've conceded defeat. 
To moral decay, atheistic philosophies, inevitably failed marriages and broken homes. We see our children are out of control. Things are so messed up that we can't ever get them right, as we start to say. Friends, don't believe that lie for one second. With a God who lives in you, who moves amongst us, everything is possible. It's time, friends, for us to stand up and take our place and our generation to do more than sit back and play defense. It's time for our church, us, right here, to be the ambassadors of the King of Kings, to take back everything that's been lost to us. This is a battle we must fight. This is a fight, friends, that we must win. We, the body of Christ, collectively, filled with the powerful Holy Spirit, are the hope for this city, our towns, our schools, our nation, and yes, this world. We, the church of Jesus Christ, are God's answers to every problem in this world. But if we're going to go the distance and actually finish the race that's marked out for us in our generation, we're going to have to make sure that we have our spiritual, emotional, and physical tanks topped off, not running on fumes. And that's where the power of the resurrection that was fully released on Pentecost years ago is so essential but it's often misunderstood or even ignored. But Jesus promised to that first group of believers, the apostles, that something's going to happen to them. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be, you won't try to be, you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, through Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The fulfillment of that promise of Jesus came just a few short days later on Pentecost that year. And Acts chapter 2 records these words. I want you to listen carefully to how God showed up for them. Because that same God is present in this space now. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Here we are. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled that whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on every single one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues and other languages as the Spirit enabled them. Peter then eventually stood up and said, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people, your sons and daughters, will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy, speak for me. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Friends, the great news of Pentecost is you don't have to be a spiritual superstar for God to use you. You don't have to have great talents and gifts. God will supply all of that and already has. You don't have to have lots of experience. He made up for that already. You don't have to have advanced degrees as good as those are. If you started one, finish it. But it's God's power will take us all the way. See, the powerful work of the Holy Spirit is threefold. Real quick review. Number one, in us, he builds character. He comes inside, and we get that, I think, a lot of us. When he's with us, he gives us comfort and counsel. He's the paraclete who comes alongside of us. But when he comes upon us, he gives us competence, ability to succeed. In us, he's transforming every single one of us into the image of Jesus till one day we're perfected. 
I think most of us get that. We're working on that. But he's also with us as our constant companion, our counselor. Do you realize that you and I, every single one of us, have the Holy Spirit, God himself, as a therapist? Yeah. He's open 24-7. Not 150 or 200 bucks an hour. It's free. Just dial in. He'll talk to you. But then he comes upon us to empower us for our lives, but also so we can touch, he can touch others through us. We don't have to earn the right to get the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a gift that God gives to everyone who says yes to Jesus. He's got us, but does he have full influence over us? Are we letting him lead us? Something happened that day that 120 believers, I think, we would do well to realize and receive ourselves. Five things happened. Their fears turned into fortitude. They just burst out in the street proclaiming Jesus like that. Their fear disappeared. Their failures previous were converted into fruitfulness. Their follow-ups were replaced by follow-through. Suddenly, they're doing what Jesus said. They've been trying. Now they were doing it. Their feebleness was transformed into forceful effectiveness immediately. And their cowardice was replaced by courageous confidence. And friends, that same empowerment is available to you and to me today. Here, right now. It's God's express will to change the world today through the likes of you and me. I want you to take these empowering words into your lungs. I want you to ingest them. Stop disqualifying yourself in your own mind and heart. Don't take yourself out of the game or out of the starting lineup. God has you by name in his starting lineup right now. Maybe no one has ever really believed in you or given you the chance, but God does. Maybe no one really trusts you with important responsibilities, but God does. Maybe you've been overlooked while others have been promoted or advanced, but God has promoted you, every single one of us, to the rank of world changer. And he specializes in using people the world or the culture rejects. He uses the weak to shame the strong. Friends, what would happen? Just think this through with me. If God showed up here in an obvious manifestation like happened in that upper room, the wind starts blowing things around, fire starts going off on everybody's head, would we call for maintenance to turn on the air conditioning? Call the fire department to put the fire out? I suspect we might. Or might we just marvel in the awesome wonder and beauty of it all? As we began to feel the warmth and irresistible joy of his manifest presence, might we just fall to our knees in reverent worship or stand in awe with our hands lifted high to heaven in total surrender and yielding? Pentecost, that experience was how he chose to birth his church. He poured out fire, confidence, boldness, energy, strength, and spiritual gifts on everybody present. If you need that fire and that new wind in your sails today, he's here. He wants you to walk from this place feeling empowered, knowing you are. God supplies every energy and empowerment for godly living, for world-changing ministry, to help us help the poor and the needy, the destitute, the broken, the lost and lonely, those experiencing injustices of all kinds. His power is here to enable us to do that. The funny thing is we do not need God's power to do our will. Realize that? 
but we absolutely must have it to do his. He is more than just rooting for you to succeed, my friends. He is a steamroller actually paving the way for you to experience in every aspect of your life the full and fulfilling life he wants for you to have. Author Vance Habner once put it this way, we will move this world not by criticism of it, nor conformity to it, but by combustion within it of lives ignited by the Spirit of God. World-changing ability and empowerment is right here in our midst because you're here and he's here. It's our time, like sleeping giants, to awaken. It's our time to arise and take our place, to hold our ground, to take back strongholds, to advance the kingdom, to be able to say that we did our level best, to be wholeheartedly committed to the unfinished task that Jesus sent us out to do. It's not too late to turn it around, my friends. It's not too late to turn up the flame of his spirit in our lives. The church is yet to reach its full potential in this great land, my friends. But you and I can make that happen. Remember Florence Chadwick at the beginning, swimming in the fog? Max Lucado once commented on that story. He said these words. Take a long look at the shore that awaits you. Don't be fooled by the fog of the slump. The finish may only be a few strokes away. God may be at this moment lifting his hand to signal Gabriel to grab the trumpet. Angels may be assembling, saints gathering, demons trembling. Stay at it. Stay in the water. Stay in the race. Stay in the fight. Give grace one more time. Be generous one more time. Teach one more class. Encourage one more soul. Swim one more stroke. And listen to the voice of Jesus, your champion, your mentor, rowing in the boat next to you as you swim. Listen to him saying these things he cheers you on. I still want you. I've never given up on you. I forgive you. I still believe in you. I trust you. Step out from that hiding place of shame and press on. If you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking through the scriptures to you here today and you want to be filled, you want to be released, you want to be empowered by God, you want to be healed, I'm going to lead us in a prayer right now. And if that's you today, I'm going to encourage you to take a stand. Stand to your feet to say, yes, I want that. Yes, I need that. Yes, I want to go forward and let God fall. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence here. We thank you for the power of your word and your desire for us to experience the abundant life. We're a hurting people. We pray that you heal us. We're a hurting nation. We pray that you heal all of us. But God, we pray for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit to fill us with power, with gifts, with abilities, with all the energy and strength we need to be your people in this time to once and for all leave our past behind us, to get clearly and focus the goals before us, and to live into that full and wonderful life you've called us to live into. Fill us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.